Well, good morning. Uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here. And over the last six weeks, we've been in this series called Generation to Generation, and we're wrapping it up today. Um, and in the last six weeks, Norton and I have kind of tag-teamed on this. Um, Norton's another one of our pastors. We've shared the teaching duties on this, and we've, we've tried to convey to you the importance, we think the importance of this moment that we're in in our culture, where there's a lot of divisiveness and a lot of division. We see that in political spheres. We see that along socioeconomic lines. But there are also a lot of divisions between us and among us as it relates to uh, generations, to ages, um, and different age groups within our country. And we've talked a lot uh, in this series about how we can address that as the church. Uh, God intended that his people to, uh, were to be an intergenerational community of people. That's always the way that it's been. In the Old Testament, that's the way uh, G- that God talks about his expectation for the nation of Israel. And when you come to Jesus and his first followers, you see that was his expectation. The same is true for the early church. Um, and so we've tried to convey this idea that this is something that we want to embrace at New Denver as well. Uh, but in a, as a general rule, I, I always think it's not a great idea to talk about people without giving voice uh, to some of them about their own experience of what it's like to really live this out. So we thought, what better way to end this series uh, than to actually hear from some of you? We have representatives from four of the, the, top, the, the biggest four generations that are living today. And uh, they've agreed to come up, and we're going to have a conversation about what they've learned in this series and about what their experience is um, from their generation. They're going to speak on behalf of all of you, um, all the different generations represented here. So if you would, welcome, uh, welcome up our panelists um, as they come to the stage. Somewhat randomly selected from the community, from our congregation, everybody here. Uh, our regular attenders, part, uh, part of our church for a long time, and I'll let them introduce themselves. Tell us, um, just introduce yourself, tell us your name, and then what, what generation that you're part of. Uh, hello, I'm Bob Thompson. I'm a baby boomer. I was born in 1954. Good morning. I'm Jennifer Coggins, born in 1975, and I'm proud to be the Gen Xer this morning. <laughs> I'm Callahan McElnay, and I was born in 97, so I'm a Gen Zer. <laughs> I'm Matt Long, born in 1985, so I'm 34, and a millennial. Yeah. Millenni- millennial wow. Matt. I feel teams. I feel like there's some, some energy here, uh, like you're choosing the, which one you're going to root for. This is not like a game show. <laughs> Nobody wins prizes. <laughs> but there are winners and losers. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so I'd love to start, we, we, talked about, we talked about through this series that, that everybody goes through the same stages of life, but each generation is shaped differently because of what they experience in history and in context. Um, what were some of the shaping events that, that as you look back on your life, um, something that shaped you, um, shaped your generation? And, and, and uh, uh, this is important because I think generalizations sometimes flow out of these sort of expectations about a generation. Um, speaking for uh, people of your age, what, what are some of the things that formed you? And, and you don't have to go in order. We can start with you, Matt, if you want to. Yeah, so for me, I think it was 9-11. I remember being in eighth grade and being in school and hearing over the intercom, like, what had just happened. Uh, yeah. So 9-11, um, and then just the whole idea of terrorism the last 20 years. Yeah. Uh, and then from an economic standpoint, just computers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, my older brother and sister typed uh, high school papers on a typewriter. And so I was the first one to actually have a computer 
and have the internet and AOL dial-up. And so to see that all kind of <laughs> come together. I'm not going to mention technology because I'll take the heat for that later. But um, for my generation, I think majority of us can name a school shooting. Um, I was personally in one. And so that's definitely something that was formative for me and my generation, I believe. So you, you moved past that really quickly. But just so everybody that sinks in for everybody, you were at Arapahoe High School, right? Yeah, I was at, it was um, December 13, 2013. I was a junior in high school. Um, I remember being in second grade when the Challenger exploded, watching that blow up on TV with my well, seven-year-old classmates. Um, I also remember the first Iraq war, like the, mm. um, the desert. I mean, just seeing footage of that in high school. And then uh, I was in my early 20s with 9-11. I feel like that shifted a lot of things for young adults at that time. Well, I can't think of anything particular as a baby boomer like World War II or cell phones and the internet, but I do know that um, you know, a lot of consumerism, a lot of manufacturing, a lot of uh, demand for just acquiring things uh, was part of, well, early part of our generation. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a good transition because I, I think my next question would be, so every generation has these experiences and, and it shapes you and it, and it creates generalizations. Um, what are some of the generalizations about your generation that you think are fair or unfair? What are the ones that, that you, you hear and you think, that's eh, probably somewhat true? And what are the ones that just drive you crazy because they kind of get heaped onto your generation and they're unfair? Fair and unfair generalizations. Well, I guess fair would be um, lecturing. So we talked about that during this series. And I think... I think it's more of just an older person sharing their thoughts, um, and maybe it comes across as lecturing, maybe it is lecturing. Um, but I think probably when uh, a Gen Z has grandchildren and they spend all their time in a virtual reality room, and more time as an avatar than as a person, they may tend to lecture. <laughs> what, before we pass it on, oh. you, you did mention the consumerism and the desire to like acquire more things. Um, do you think that's a fair characterization of the, the boomer generation uniquely, that there was a, a drive to want to have more materially? That Well, I, I think so, um, and I see that, um, I guess I see that in part of our generation, you know, this is a generalization about a generation, yeah. not about everybody individually, um, but yeah, I saw a lot of individuals, you know, replace their car every two or three years, get a second home, they couldn't afford it, get to retirement age and not have any money. So I think that a lot of that has been driven by a desire to acquire. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Jennifer? I don't have a lot to say on this question. I've of course not. You're the middle, you're the Generation X middle child. <laughs> I'm going to let... I do say whatever all the time. Yeah. I didn't know that was a Gen X thing until this series. Do, do you, well, let's, so just for a second on that. So that is a little bit of the apathy that sort of, I feel like that got put on. I'm, I'm trying to stay out of this. I'm a Generation X or two. What would you say, Stephen? <laughs> the apathy, though, the whatever, when you say whatever all the time, do you think there's some apathy that's, that's kind of put on our generation that's fair or unfair, has been fair or unfair? Maybe we look for the really important things because that's what really matters is the real That's deep. a positive spin. <laughs> authenticity that we're looking for, and we let go of the other stuff. Okay. 
Um, to quote Ethan Redden, we are not dumb. Um, but <laughs> with that, this greater idea of this assumption with technology that we don't know how to do a lot, um, I, think, I think isn't fair. We use it to our advantage. <laughs> I think for a millennial, uh, the idea of laziness, the idea of everybody gets a trophy, everybody deserves a trophy, uh, I think we're a generation that kind of came out of college expecting to make $100,000 without working hard. Um, and then I think we're a generation that's more into work-life balance than previous generations. Yeah. And I think that's maybe a good thing to some extent. That is a good thing. Say a little bit about maybe how you see other generations too. The characterizations often get made. We, we make them about... Um, younger or older generations, what are some characterizations or generalizations you hear your peers making about older or younger people, fair or unfair? I mean, you just gave a very positive, that, that's a fair characterization about, um, you know, millennial generation, in, in, in a good way, right. It could be positive or negative. Maybe say more a little bit, a little bit more about that, just positively. Well, I think, you, you know, my generation was raised by um, individuals from the great generation, World War II, and the builders, and they were more of uh, you know, get a job, which I think was a, a paradigm for the builders. And so we were raised that way. And so, you know, I started working at 12. I've always had a job, mm -hmm. always. Yeah. And uh, it was always just keep working. And it's been a long day's night was the song for the generation. I think yeah. that was very apt from working hard to buy stuff. And uh, so I think that's a reasonable generalization. Yeah, do you, do you think there, and, and I think there's been a lot of criticism from baby boomers you know, towards younger generations because of that, maybe not taking into account the, you know, the economic realities? Do you think some of that's been unfair in terms of labeling millennials as lazy, or um, what do you see in some of that? Like, that is it a different work ethic? Or I, I think, think in the work environment, um, those that are, you know, spent decades at 50 <clears throat> and 60 hours a week um, look at a millennials and come by and say, well, you know, they want to take time off. What's with that? You know, that's not the way. And it really should be the way. Uh -huh. And so from my personal perspective, so I think we overworked it. And I think there is a lot of value to a work-life balance. Yeah. So within the criticism, there is actually some room to say maybe the critique is actually informing something good is what you're saying. Yeah, that's yeah. uh, whatever. Reverse mentoring. Yeah, no, that's good. Others? What? Well, we talked a little bit on our practice session just that yeah. Bob and I have raised children or are raising children in different generations and just mm -hmm. the challenges of that. And we talk a lot in our family trying to be sensitive to the cultural norms or where we are in time and space, but yet also longing for deep relationships and skills in that area to foster deep life and in, in relationship with God, but also with those around us, justice issues, all, all these things that it feels like it looks, I don't like nothing, but like with so much technology and phones, I am curious to what that is going to look like for this emerging generation and long for my children to know how to form deep relationships. And I wonder what that will look like. Mm. So question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and kind of my response, just piggybacking off of this concern of technology being a barrier to relationships, I would say that's a 
global worldwide issue. Um, you know, when I'm with my family, it, it can be equally likely that anyone there is distracted by their phone and not just me per se. Now, the concerns for developmentally appropriateness and what social media does, that that is something that we can talk about. But I think speaking specifically with relationship and relationships and technology being a barrier, I think it's something that we can all kind of be aware of um, and learn about, I guess. Um, and with that, that kind of ties into my generalization for older generation, since I'm the youngest generation here, and that's that they're bad with technology. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there's some truth to that. There's some, there's some not truth, dishonesty, I guess, but yeah. Firm. Yeah, I know. I don't have the phone. <laughs> I have a follow-up question for you. So when we were warming up today, Chandler and I were talking, and, he, and he's Generation Z, too. He's 97. So there you go. Uh, and so he, he was saying, I asked him that same question. He said one of the frustrations is that Generation Z or younger people are just technology-obsessed. And he said, I feel like a lot of my peers are reacting against that. They want more relationship. Like they they're getting off social media as their parents are kind of entering in. And let's be honest, like our grandparents have taken over Facebook. So <laughs> nobody, young, nobody young is there anymore. How, do you see that among your peers? Do you see this desire for relationship, for authenticity, not just the thin connection of social media? Yeah, I think it's important to note that Cameron and I are on the cusp of Generation Z, so we are older. And prior to this, I thought I was a millennial, but <laughs> I can definitely resonate. I can definitely resonate with Gen Z. So I think that's an important consideration to think about the age variation within generations and what that looks like. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that, that I would say that that's true. That we're kind of aware of that and and taking steps to mitigate that, but um, again, it looks different when you're younger and all your friends have technology and you can communicate with them like that, so. Yeah. Depends on age is my answer to that. Got it. But. Matt, what do you think? In terms of older generation? Yeah, well just, yeah, the, the, the generalization's true or untrue and, and you know, what do you see is some, some good or some positive in that, in those generalizations, and what are some negatives? Yeah, I mean, I think going back to the work-life balance is somewhat a testament to previous generations. You know, I look at my grandfather, and he did manual labor, uh, building bridges in New York City. And then my father was the first person in his family to ever go to college. And then, uh, you know, he was a baby boomer. And then my family, uh, my siblings, we all grew up knowing that we were going to go to college. And so now I'm in this position of having more options than my dad had and more options than my grandfather had. So I think it's a testament to how hard previous generations worked. Yeah. Do you think that gets taken for granted a lot of times? Or, I mean, one of the, one of the quotes that I shared from a, a researcher on this is that every generation kind of takes for granted the good and reacts against the bad. How have you seen some of that in your generation? Do you think there's people who just take for granted the opportunities yeah, that are... I think everybody likes to judge people and judge other generations and look at all the bad they did and think through, well, I would have done it this way. Yeah. Um, and so I think this sermon series has given me appreciation for other generations and just this idea that everybody's trying to do the best they can um, and just going through life with 
the same experiences in terms of young adulthood, adolescence, middle adulthood, uh, but in a different context. So each generation's going through war or terrorism or school shootings or whatever it might be, and everybody's just trying to do the best they can. And so the idea of you know, giving everyone some slack and saying thank you to previous generations, I think, is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Let's shift and talk about some of the, one of the things we've ad advocated for is intergenerational relationships. Um, maybe talk about just personally any experiences you've had with people that are older or that are younger and, and how you've benefited from that um, in, just in general, you know, whether that's in a, in a work situation, a mentorship relationship, or if it's a faith relationship, um, parents, grandparents, um, aunts, uncles, you guys have any good positive experiences or examples of, of intergenerational relationships personally? Yeah, I think for me it's been just having people around me that I look up to. Um, something I mentioned the other day was just, you know, my dad died 15 years ago suddenly, and so one of the first people to call me was a baby boomer from Texas A&M that welcomed me up to A&M, we grabbed lunch, joined his Bible study, came up here with him and other college students to Young Life at Buena Vista, um, kind of started my love for Colorado, um, got me started in a Bible study, and so that was all really good, and then moving to San Antonio, I joined a small group where I met my wife, I was led by an older couple, um, the husband ended up marrying us, mm. and so just trying to surround myself with people that I admire and look up to. And, you know, that's not necessarily an official mentorship type relationship, but just having that and not being afraid to reach out to people. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, being the youngest generation, we have the privilege of interacting with older generations on the on a daily basis, whether that be our parents or our grandparents or teachers or whomever. Um, I think a barrier to that sometimes is um, exploring those relationships outside of those settings where it becomes more of a choice than like a mandatory thing. Um, but we do have the benefit of on a daily basis interacting with older generations, so. yeah. I'd echo all of that. I just think it's really important and, uh, and important to be intentional about those types of relationships, both, um, I mean, for me personally, but also for my children, too. I long for my children to know people of different ages and generations, and I've been so grateful when those relationships kind of form organically. Yeah. Uh, examples of mentorship at, at work, um, you know, I manage large programs, and I have project managers, and so in this phase of my career, it's a lot more mentoring than anything else, and a lot of my emails start with consider. Consider doing this, consider doing that. <laughs> Where it used to be, do this, do that. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, personally, um, it's just uh, getting to know others and letting them maybe understand your gifts, my gifts, and then if they see a situation in their life where they go, oh, he's run into that, maybe I could talk to him about that. Yeah. So it's really just kind of getting, establishing a relationship and, and getting to know each other and where you can contribute and speak into other people's lives. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. A friend, I had lunch with a friend from, from New Denver this week, and he reminded me we haven't touched on this verse, and I want to throw it up on the screen. It's, it's this idea of, of being a picture, being a model to, 
a verse from, from Titus. Um, so it says, teach old, the older men, this is Paul writing uh, to Titus, to say, teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled and sound in faith, in love and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. And everything set, an exam- set them an example by doing what is good. And I think we, you guys have all talked about this modeling aspect um, that, that you've had somebody who's been above you, who's been a picture, who's been a model. Um, I'm curious to know, we talked about this at the practice the other night. Callahan, you expressed a little frustration. It's a two-way street that, that when people show up, there has to be some openness to learn. What do you guys think uh, that older generations can, can learn or can benefit from having some, some relationships with people who are younger? It's not just one way, but, but younger people are exhibiting. And this is a new question, so you guys can think about it for a second. I'm spring, springing this one on you. We didn't practice. Well, it sounded time. like a question for the older generation. Well, it's um, both. Yeah. I think it's, uh, yeah, Callahan, you mentioned some things the other night. I want to give you a chance in a second, but what, do you, what, what are your thoughts about that? Even shifting in your tone from do this to consider this is sort of an openness. Do you see that? Do you see? Um, yeah, well, I think there's lots of opportunities for, um, yes, just general mentoring and then also reverse mentoring. So I think it's part of just, is just having a relationship and meeting each other where you are, um, providing grace and uh, understanding where people are coming from, and then being able to leverage from other people's talents, you know, digital technology, um, work-life balance, and there's a tremendous amount that can be applied today into the older generation. Are, are there barriers to that that you feel or that you experience or even that you see in colleagues or peers, uh, barriers to that being the older person and kind of having this mindset of, like, we're supposed to teach and we're supposed to be the model. You're supposed to listen. Is, are there some, some of those barriers I, you feel? Well, I don't know if there... Maybe at an individual level where someone's had success in parts or many aspects of their life, they feel like, well, I'm successful, so mine must be the only way. <laughs> right. So just listen. And mm. versus uh, there's a lot of ways to have a fulfilling life. And, uh, you know, so I think at the individual level, you have to overcome that... Um, centric perspective. Yeah, and whether it's individuals or organizations, everything works until it doesn't, right? Like the last buggy whip manufacturer was really good at making buggy whips. Yeah, until they were out of business. So that idea of being open is good. Any other thoughts about this? Like this, Callahan, what you said some things the other night just about kind of some frustrations of wanting to show up and be heard as well as to be talked to. You didn't want to just receive. Yeah, I kind of posed the question... um, Stephen prompted us to kind of think about questions that we have for the older generation, and mine was like, what do you um, want from Gen Z, or what do you hope from us? And um, some of my biggest examples of faith have been the, the volunteering I get to do in Sunday school with kids. And I mean, the Bible talks about that, having a childlike faith, and what that all looks like. Um, so that's just kind of my motivation for posing that question and thinking about it. Um, relationships are two-way streets, and um, we have something to give to the conversation, too. So, Anything you'd add, Matt? Uh, not too much to add. I think, I think I've realized just everybody has a story. <clears throat> yeah. And so whether you're 15 or 55 or 65, like, you have experiences that you can teach others about. 
And so going to Gen Z and talking with them and talking about life in high school and what that is like, you know? And uh, you learn something from going through that experience that I didn't experience. Yeah. And so just recognizing everybody has a story. And I think it's so easy to label people with two or three things that you know about them. But when you sit down to really get to know them better, you go, oh man, this is a much deeper person. This isn't just my boss. This is my boss who was also 25 at one point in his life and was trying to build a career or has a family or is thinking about starting a family. And so just trying to get to know people beyond the two or three main facts that are just easily recognizable. Yeah, everyone is an individual. Everybody, even if you're part of a generation, you may, be, may have some traits or some characteristics, but every person is different. Um, I want to stay on this end uh, for the, the, the last couple of questions and, and really want to hear from you guys about this dynamic that we, we talked about last week, that people in your generations are largely exiting the institutional church. And as you think about um, your peers um, your friends who either have left the church or just have no interest in it. Um, what do you think that we have to learn about how to engage? What, what are the questions? Sometimes I feel like churches are answering questions that no one's asking. Um, what do you think the questions of substance or faith or life that your generation is asking that maybe the church isn't paying attention to? Yeah, I think from millennial standpoint where the life is a buffet and so we're the first generation to look at go on the internet and be able to explore different options um, Christianity and all the other religions out there uh, and so the questions I think my generation are asking is you know Christianity just feels like a whole bunch of rules to me like I think sometimes the church gets focused on what we're against rather than what we're for and um, some other questions just that I've struggled with personally is the idea of hell and how does that work? Um, yeah, there's, there's still questions out there that are hard to answer. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of people, instead of continuing to go to church and seeking answers, they just fall away from the faith. Yeah, my question on behalf of my generation would be, why should we care? Why should we care about church? Why should we care about God? And, and what does the church mean if I'm gay or transgender or black? Or from my personal experience, a child of divorce um, or have people around me that have been pushed out by the church and really hurt by the church? Um, so yeah. Final question, this can be for anybody. Um, would love to hear, we've tried to talk about some things that, um, that we at New Denver can do to make this a reality here, uh, but even to you know, step across some of these lines, these generational lines that exist in our workplaces and our neighborhoods. Um, what are some thoughts, maybe what's something that's resonated with you speaking you know, for yourself and, and somewhat on behalf of your generation, what are some things you think we at New Denver can do um, as a community to... to foster intergenerational community inside and outside the church? How can we be agents of change in this? What's your perspective? I feel like intentional relationship is the essence between all of the points that both of you all just brought up as well as through generations that 
I just long to be in deep relationship with people different from me and to figure out how God's love extends and welcomes in all of, all of that. But I feel like it begins with connection with people. I think MDC does a great job of creating opportunity, you know, through the different uh, events. And so I really think it's up to the community to participate and get engaged. And uh, that automatically can put you in, uh, based on the event, with other generations. And then it's just up to building relationship and seeing if that turns into other events that are outside of the things that NDC does. Um, I think a call to my generation um, would be to remember um, and to not generalize our experience with older generations to our parents or our grandparents. Um, people who are older are not always just here to tell us what to do or how to do things, but they are also here to support and love us as well. Um, and they do have valuable experiences to share. I think for me it would be just trying to build community and further community and so you know coming to church on Sunday is great but then joining a small group and getting to know 10 or so other people on a little deeper level and then going beyond that you know everybody has breakfast lunch and dinner each day so take those <laughs> opportunities to get to know people um, from your own generation and other generations inside the church outside the church and just everybody has a story get to know that story um, build deeper community, deeper friendships, and uh, yeah, love God and love others. That's great. That's a great place to end. You can just drop the mic if you want to. <laughs> Thank you guys for being here. You guys can grab a seat. Thank you. Well, hopefully that helps stir some things um, as we wrap this series up. I, I really do hope that, um, that something has stirred inside of you, that some of the words from Norton or I or from someone on the panel has stirred something in you, that God's Spirit has moved you to take a step. Um, uh, everybody has breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Everybody has a story. I love that. And, and relationships really are the key. In New Denver, we try to create spaces and places for that to happen, but we really need you guys to take those steps. And so we we do hope and pray as we close this series and as I close our time, I want to pray for us that, that God would, um, would move and motivate you um, to, to take that next step, not just be a community people. We are an intergenerational crowd right now, but I don't know that we're as much of an intergenerational community as we could be because that requires all of us to take some of those steps and move beyond the big the big crowd on Sunday, and to get to know one another. So let's pray as we close this morning, as we close this series, that God would give us uh, wisdom and courage about how to do that. Heavenly Father, thank you. Um, first of all, thank you for all of uh, these great folks that are part of our community who had the courage to come and just talk about their experience and share a part of their story and the way that they've uh, learned and grown over the last six weeks. Um, I pray, God, that you would um, stir in our hearts, help us to know um, what's the next step for us? Give us wisdom and clarity about that, but then also give us courage. It can feel uncomfortable to go to someone who is younger or someone who is older and, and try to initiate a relationship. We, we can feel awkward and out of place. Give us the courage to, to know that it's worth it. And God, I pray that you would meet us in that, um, in that experience because we know, Lord, that, um, that our faith um, and our relationship grows along relational lines, relationship with you 
and relationship with one another. So God, give us the courage to take those steps. And we pray these things through the Son and by the Spirit. Amen.